incredulous. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It's incredulous, as in I let out an incredulous wail, which I did. That's W-A-I-L, not W-H-A-L-E. Incredulous means, really? There's no way that I just read that. There's no way that that guy just did that. Well, of course he did. But I was incredulous. Who am I talking about? Yeah, we're going back to Justin Rohrwasser. Remember from yesterday on Nothing Personal, Justin Rohrwasser is the kicker drafted by the New England Patriots. Turns out he had a tattoo that showed his allegiance to a right-wing militia group, which is often and always associated with racists. And he got a little bit of negative attention and said he was going to go ahead and cover that tattoo. Well, he stepped up his game, ladies and gentlemen. He took care of it. He's off the hook. He came out and said, I'm not just going to cover it. I'm going to have the tattoo removed. I read that and I was incredulous. Let's talk about it because it's a story that uh, got to me a little bit. I got a few people on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Thank you. You know this, so you want to talk to Samson, you know about that. But there's sometimes that I get into a conversation or discourse and someone tweeted at me that, hey, that is just a pro-gun, anti-government tattoo. It has nothing to do with racism. Well, those are the same people who were protecting the crazies and the racists in Charlottesville. This is the same group that there's not one person who associates this group with anything but racists. It's not as though it is a mistake where you get a tattoo of a Japanese character and you think it says love and it says, I love eating cats. That's not what this is. This is a logo that he got five years ago. He claims that no one talked to him about it at Marshall. It was no big deal. Well, then how come he came out with the following statement? We're talking about Justin Rohrwasser. I went on Twitter and I saw the tweet. I saw that someone had taken a picture of me and put it with my tattoo and linking me to some horrific events. You know, obviously Charlottesville and these horrible things. He said when he got the tattoo five years ago, it was described to me, everyone sit down. Wherever you're doing, listening to nothing personal, get ready for this, because here we go. It was described to me, as you know, the percentage of colonists that rose up against the authoritarian government of the British. And I was like, wow, that's such a, you know, an American sentiment, patriotic sentiment. And coming from a military family, I thought that really spoke to me. I always was proud to be an American. I'm very proud. But as soon as I saw that it was what it was linked to on Saturday, it was exactly that time I knew I had to get it totally taken off my body. I said cover it up to reporters, but I want to get it removed from my body. It's shameful that I had it on there ignorantly, Rohrwasser said, getting emotional. I'm sorry for all my family that had to defend me. Putting them in that compromising position is one of the biggest regrets I'll ever have. So to them, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to learn from this. No matter what, it's not who I am. Hopefully you'll all find that out. Justin, we already found out. Explain to me this. I want to see you on Twitter explaining how at 18, five years ago, you were explained what it was and not one person in your family, not one friend, not one coach, not one player, not one person ever. It's not exactly that it was on your puppet. It's not exactly that no one saw this tattoo. 
all of a sudden the media starts questioning. You start getting nervous about your ability to play professional football, and now you want to cover it up. But no, that wasn't good enough, so now you want to get it removed. Well, guess what? You're playing for the wrong team. The only possible, possible break you're going to get is that Myra Kraft unfortunately passed away. Why am I bringing up Myra Kraft? May she rest in peace. That's Robert Kraft's wife. Robert Kraft is a widower. Have you ever heard of the name Christian Peter? Christian Peter was drafted by the Patriots in 1996, and he was never signed because Myra, the wife of Robert, said that that man will never put on a Patriots uniform. That man who was accused of sexual assault and other such crimes. She said to her husband, no, we do not stand for this in New England. And guess what? Done. Gone. Giants picked him up next year. Didn't have quite a career. I wonder who's in Robert Kraft's ear now. Belichick? I think Belichick, is he more concerned whether or not you can kick from how long? Maybe 10 in a row from 53? I don't think it's going to matter because this avalanche has started. And your apology claiming that you had no idea... That falls on deaf ears. Now, I understand that your agent put together this statement. I understand that sometimes we have players that we draft. We would do deep dives. Sometimes it wouldn't work, and we'd be surprised. But mostly that was with drug addiction. With the way social media is now, we can do a deep dive into every single person we drafted, look at every single tweet. But how come certain players get away with things and others don't? What's the difference when you're in the front office? How do you treat a player differently? Well, let's take Josh Hader, for example, the pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, that phenomenal closer, semi-closer, strikes out everybody. Remember, he made the all-star team, and then all of a sudden, after his first all-star game, the night before, word gets out that he had racist tweets when he was a kid that he had not scrubbed. And we went on HQ, and maybe nothing personal, I don't remember when it was, I don't think nothing personal had started yet, Coca, so I've never covered it on this. But Hader went back, he scrubbed the tweets, and he apologized And he said, I was a kid. I didn't know better. I hadn't looked at them. And you know what? It passed this. I don't look back at old tweets. I don't scrub anything. They're all there if you want to look back. But what I didn't understand is if you were racist as a kid, what changes you from being racist to not being racist? Because no one's born racist. You have to learn it. So if you've learned it, who taught you? And if you're unlearning it, who's reteaching you? So Josh Hader claimed that as he grew up, he learned that the way he used to think was wrong. We forgave him. He came out and apologized. He didn't come up with a quote about colonialism, about patriotism, and tried to hide under the military flag. I think that Roar Wasser could take a look at Josh Hader. And the reason the Brewers didn't let him go, it's 50% because he apologized, 25% because he was a kid when he did it a long, long time ago, and 25% because he's damn good. Some teams would reverse that, and it's 75% because he's good. But the Patriots have history. They signed Antonio Brown. They thought they'd get him going again, and he was too much to handle, so they just released him. Justin Rohrwasser has completed exactly no passes, run for no yards, kicked no field goals, no extra points, hasn't missed a field goal either. He has no track record. If the Patriots are smart, they will remove him from their roster before he even gets a chance to be on their roster. They won't sign him. 
There is history for this, Justin. You better be ready for it. And when it happens, you better come out with a better apology than what you did if you have any hope of being signed by another team. But in the meantime, I remain completely and utterly incredulous. Well, yesterday we spent some time on the NBA. NBA was coming back May 1st. Well, no, not games. Yeah, they announced that practice facilities would be open in certain select cities as of May 1st, according to the local, state, federal guidelines, in consultation with the CDC, the WHO, and the PCP and ADS. Well, it took about 10 minutes, and we went through the issues that were going to come, and the issues came, and NBA said, whoa, let's take a minute here. We're going to delay this by at least a week. So what happened that the NBA made an announcement, then did a full 180 after only a few minutes? Well, we told you that there was going to be a competitive issue. If certain states are open like Georgia and players don't live in Georgia, are they going to go to Georgia because they want to play, because they feel as though they need to be ready? And we explained that if you're a non-playoff team, a player on a non-playoff team, forget it, stay quarantined. But if you're a playoff team like the Lakers – and you need to win a title with LeBron because he's getting older and AD is going to be an UFA, unrestricted free agent, you're going to call your local government and say, hey, open, please. Well, that's just the very thing that the NBA was trying to avoid. All sports leagues have been very smart saying that we are going to follow medicine and guidelines, scientific guidelines. But when you announce the possibility that you can get in and practice, albeit not structured practices, wink, wink, if you're watching, I'm winking. I don't know if you can see my wink because of my beard anymore, but I'm wink, winking. No structured practices, no more than four players at a time, a chief hygiene officer cleaning up everything in between players practicing, one ball per player, four baskets, one basket per player. GMAB, give me a break. I told you that's not going to be followed. There's going to be no cameras allowed in there. You really think there's not going to be a little Jordan last dance one-on-one who's injured with the Bulls? Then that goes into a little dose-on-dose. What happens if one of these players gets sick? They still don't have the proper testing. So players, we're all in. We're going to find an open facility, and we're going to get there. Teams were calling the league and said, well, we have a small issue. We're in New York. We can't open up SUNY Purchase. I think that's where the Knicks used to practice. They may still do. In Miami, they're begging the mayor to open up AAA, the American Airlines practice facility, although it's not called American Airlines Arena anymore, even though they still call it that, but American Airlines stopped paying. So I'm not going to refer to it as American Airlines Arena anymore. The place formerly known as American Airlines Arena is going to try to open so that he can get in and play. So teams and owners were calling and saying, All right, here's the situation. We have a competitive disadvantage, Adam, and you can't have this happen because I've got my players who are going to get on planes and go to different cities and be with their friends, not quarantined, and start playing. The NBA said, all right, let's take a minute. Let's take a breath. That's the breath that we told them on nothing personal that has to be taken by each league. And we're reading article upon article every day. A new article by Ken Rosenthal about where the, how MLB is going to open appeared on The Athletic today. By the way, worth your subscription money. The article talked about the fact that, hey, it looks like a June to July start. 
It could be the Arizona plan unlikely, could be the Texas, Florida, Arizona plan more likely. Maybe it'll be in front of fans, no fans, maybe a trickle of fans. Maybe there's going to have to be temperature checks. All of this stuff is going on. But the reality is, and it continues to be, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and even the NFL don't know what is happening and when that is going to happen. They are all simply doing their best to be prepared so they can play as quickly as possible. I get it. I understand that the NBA is getting together and saying that our biggest revenue source is the postseason. We've got to get it in. And to get it in, we've got to get the players playing because they're going to need a new training camp. Therefore, let's very carefully follow state guidelines because states are starting to open. Let's get some practice in. But what Adam Silver should have done to maintain his lead as the commissioner who's doing the right thing the most often and communicating that in order for him to keep his title, he needed to come out and say, while we are aware that states have begun to open, we recognize it is a scaled open. We also recognize there is still danger that there could be a second wave and that positive coronavirus results are happening with decreased social distancing and decreased following of guidelines. Therefore, we are going to wait. We are going to wait to see what happens over the next two to four weeks as we watch to make sure that the states which are opened have opened properly, correctly, and people are not getting sick and the promise of more tests happen. Because in order for me to open up our league, this is Adam Silver talking, we're going to need hundreds of thousands of tests. You think I'm exaggerating? Did you hear about the PGA Tour? They need a million tests. Yes, it is not an exaggeration. Adam Silver would have stood up and said, we're going to wait. He didn't. Now he's waiting for a week. I'm not going to give you a wait to see on that. Eh. Coca, can I go right to the wait to see? I'm going to wait. I think I will give a wait to see on that. I'll do it later because there is a wait to see. May 8th is when NBA practice facilities are going to open. Or are they? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, the NBA continues to be in the news for the wrong reason. This time it was the Los Angeles Lakers. I want to explain something. It was just so you want to talk to Samson. You know what that is. Please follow me at David P. Samson. Go into my DMs, ask a question. And I will get to as many as possible. By the way, there will be a bonus mailbag pod released on Saturday, May 2nd. Thank you for all your ratings, reviews. Please get in there on Apple. Do a five-star review. Ask a question. But by the way, be aware that April is almost sold out in terms of questions. But I love them. Keep them coming. And of course, tell a friend about nothing personal. Join the party. So Say You Want to Talk to Samson was asking me to explain how could the Lakers have gotten any money from the government that was supposed to go to small businesses and asked me to explain? Okay, I want to explain this because there's been a lot of attention about the Los Angeles Lakers, about Shake Shack, 
about Roos Chris Steakhouse and other such companies who seem to access money from the government. You've read that the that the Congress passed an economic stimulus bill during this time of Corona virus. Part of it was in order to give money to small businesses. And this money would take the form of some forgivable loans and some loans that were not forgivable that would need to be paid back. And the purpose of it was to make sure that companies got it who needed it to make payroll because they were trying to stop companies from firing employees. So in order to be eligible for this money, you had to not fire employees. You had to use this money to pay employees. And then part of that loan would be forgiven. But it was for small businesses. Now, what's the definition of a small business? The way sports works is the team may be worth several billion dollars. But inside that team, we have a ton of different company names. So the flow chart of an organization is not just the Los Angeles Lakers owned by the Bus family 100%, and that's the name of the company, Los Angeles Lakers. No. The way it works is, let's just talk about what the Marlins used to have. We had the Marlins Limited Partnership, and that owned the franchise, the actual franchise, which is the right we got for Major League Baseball to operate a franchise in Miami. Then we had a whole other company that ran the stadium, Then we had a whole nother company that did broadcast deals and that did concession deals. And then we had a whole company that was a foundation. We had a bunch of different entities. Our flow chart, and we're the Marlins, only worth $1.2 billion. We had a ton of different boxes on our flow chart, tons of dotted lines. When you see the organizational structure and the ownership structure of of a team, you have all these different limited liability companies, all these different partnerships. Basketball teams, football teams, they are no exception. You've got to be Sean Cassidy and Parker Stevenson to figure out the way some of these teams are owned. I'm not going to tell you to Google that because I want you to keep listening. But that was an amazing reference to one of my favorite TV shows starring a guy who sang a song, da do run, 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 da do run, run. Sean Cassidy, the Hardy Boys. Check it out. If you're looking for books for your kids to read during quarantine, The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries, there are a series of books, maybe available on the InterGoogle. Great books. Anyway, why was I talking about Sean Cassidy, Coca? I bet you he has no idea. Coca, wake up. It's The Hardy Boys. You have to. You know what I was talking about. You've got to be able to solve mysteries like Hannibal of the A-team to understand how teams operate. So it's easy for me to say that certain entities under a major league team or professional sports team could qualify under the rules of small businesses in order to receive stimulus money. Why would the Lakers take money? Why? And then get criticized for it return it, then get in trouble by Steve Mnuchin, who's the Treasury Secretary, saying that any big company's taking money, you better not even ask for it, or else you are going to be subject to significant audits. By the way, major league teams and all professional sports teams are actually internally audited by the league, by the union all the time. Audits are like a Tuesday. That's not a big threat. But I thought the purpose of the money was to stop unemployment, to curb unemployment, to limit unemployment. Should the Lakers be apologizing for trying to get government handouts? 
The Lakers claimed that they thought there was no shortage of government money, so they didn't think that they were stopping other small businesses. But what if the Lakers were taking that money and actually paying that money to employees to keep working even though there's no work to do? Isn't that the purpose of the economic stimulus, to try to keep people employed? Why are employees of the Lakers or even ancillary employees of the Lakers organization, why are they different than other employees of other small businesses that you've never heard of? Why are Shake Shack employees any different? Why did we pressure Shake Shack into giving back the money when – do you know how many people work for Shake Shack? Have you been into a Shake Shack? You got to flip the burgers. You got to make the burgers. You got to cut the potatoes. You got to be at the cash register. You got to clean. Why do those people not have a right to have money? Because if it's just takeout, they're not doing as much business. What about non? What about bars? Ancillary revenue around Staples Center. What about them? What about it? It's bothering me greatly because the Lakers are getting this much bad press. And believe me, I'd be the first to tell you what I thought because I'm always honest. But what I'd like to know is that when you have a knee-jerk reaction against large companies, you have to think to yourself, what's causing that reaction? As an example, everyone was so happy when the cruise industry didn't get a bailout because those cruise ships don't pay federal taxes. Those cruise companies all have their ships that are under uh, foreign ports, whether it's Panama or anywhere else. They don't get government bailout. How many U.S. employees work for Carnival? or Royal Caribbean, or Norwegian Cruise Lines? How many U.S. employees work for other companies that may be foreign registered? They may not pay foreign taxes. Hey, how much in tax did, uh, I'm just curious, how much in tax did Amazon pay? I'm just not sure. A lot? No, I don't think so. Is Amazon employing people? Coke is giving me a letter that Danny Meyer sent out, and I want to read it right now because I want to finish talking about this because I'm serious about it, that the anger that we have toward these companies is incorrect. Now, Coca, this letter was uh, from Danny Meyer, and it's a very long letter, so Coke is whispering in my ear, do not read it. He's saying it's just part of the discussion. Well, Coca, summarize the damn letter then. Don't send me the whole letter in the middle of a show. Make me put on my glasses, which, by the way, I can barely see because the hair on my eyebrows is so long that it's covering the reading lenses. I'm worked up. It's fine. I'm moving on. Just know this. How could the Lakers have gotten money? Because they deserve it like any other small business, because they're employing people. And if the purpose of economic stimulus is to make sure that people can get money when they're not working, stay employed and not have to go on unemployment so that government resources can go toward other things that are so desperate, then that is a positive. But we have a society where right now we shame companies. We shame them. When I was with the Marlins, I spent so much time worrying about every move I was making. You may think I didn't worry about any of them, but I did. I worried about them saying, how is this going to be? What's the result going to be? All right, Coca, look at him. He's trying to recover. He's yelling. Stop yelling. I'm going to read the damn paragraph. With the country facing a prospective permanent loss of restaurants up and down the food chain, the bill arrived just in the nick of time. The onus was placed on each business to figure out how, when, or even if to apply. It came with no user manual and was extremely confusing. I know this is true, by the way. Both Shake Shack and Union Square Hospitality Group arrived at a similar conclusion. 
the best chance of keeping our teams working off the unemployment line and hiring back our furloughed and laid off employees would be to apply now and hope things would be clarified in time. Thank you, Coca. I think that's pretty much what I was saying, except Danny got shamed into giving it back. And you know who pays the price for that shame? The employees who he's going to have to furlough. Or just downright, outright fire. This is different than and have toward Justin Orwasser. This is different. Have rage, but make sure it is generated and directed in the right Have the information. All right, hold on. I'm taking my temperature. I'm worked up. I think it's on my phone right now where I have the ability to look in my phone. I think I put it in my ear or something, and then it reads off 94.5. No. All right. That's the radio station I was listening to. I don't know what it is. All I know is this. Temperature checks at arenas is now a big thing. Mark Cuban came out, and I got to mention it because uh, I want to mention what teams are doing. What are we doing right now with sports? We're preparing for games with no fans. But if you run a sports team, you've got to be 10 steps ahead of that. 10 steps ahead is finding a way to get your local revenue back. Because if local revenue doesn't come back, all of your player obligations are going to bankrupt you. And if your local revenue doesn't come back, the value of your team will go down. If local revenue doesn't come back, the entire of professional sports will literally be torn apart and have to be rebuilt. So when you're an owner of a team, you have no choice but to think about ways that you're going to start getting back your revenue. One of those ways is making sure that your fans believe, despite any study that you've been asked to take, which says that when sports opens, would you want to be a part of that? We've talked about that enough in personal. How quickly would you go back to crowded events? How quickly would you go back to restaurants or go back to concert venues, sports venues? But we have to plan for the time when you are going to come back. And we've got to make sure that those who do come back don't get sick. And in order for them Not to get sick, we have to make sure that we are doing things that we never did before. Do you know when we put together our budget, and I can admit this because you know it's true. You know I'm a germ guy. You know I carry around sanitizer from Bath and Body Works. I think my current sanitizer is a pumpkin blend that I'm using. I'm trying to wash my hands more and use sanitizer less because I can't even get a refill of any of my Bath and Body Works sanitizer and I'm not going to the stores, which I think are closed anyway, and online it says it's no longer available, but I'm not panicked. I have basically, I know that I can go another year with what I have. Because by the way, I buy in bulk having nothing to do with coronavirus. I buy in bulk like way before coronavirus even started. But suffice it to say that while I'm a germaphobe, we would do things at the ballpark that weren't exactly what I would describe as perfect. We didn't violate any of the local codes at all, But that is not a very tall burden to cover, a tall hurdle to cross, a tall bridge to run over. I keep mixing my metaphors, Coca. Once in a while, I'm going to work in a simile. I just can't think of anything that uses the word like or as right now. I'm going to think about it. We do not clean the ballpark as I would clean my place of residence. I don't think that's a simile either, but it did use as. I need Mr. Lin. Anybody? English? Simile? Coca, do you know what a simile is? That's okay. What would we do? Well, we would make sure that we had people going through the ballpark and we'd be cleaning up spills. 
We'd make sure that we'd be cleaning the bathrooms, but we'd do it before the game. During the game, we'd go and we'd empty the garbage cans from time to time. Not enough. How many times you've been into a bathroom at a stadium and the garbage cans are filled? We'd make sure that we clean the food away from the condiment center. By the way, is anyone going to go to the condiment center to ballpark again? Where all of the pickles and relish and onions and ketchup and mustard, it's all out there. Can you imagine? I don't think so. You can have a hard enough time ever going back to a buffet. There are going to be buffets anyway. What about the handrails on the escalators, the stairwells? What about the seat when you sit down? Were you cleaning the seat? Were you washing your hands? Were you using sanitizer? My guess is N-N-N. No, no, no. Yet. Nay. But we can't give you a choice anymore. What about when you weren't feeling well, but you were saving up for that game and you really wanted to go to the game and you said to yourself, I'll be fine. It's no big deal. I'm good. Well, those days are now over. Mark Cuban came out and said that having temperature checks at ballparks, concert venues, airports. That was a cough. I don't have fever. I actually do take my temperature at least twice a day because as this sort of Jewish hypochondriac guy, which I am, I've been a hypochondriac my entire life. I always think I'm sick. Every day I feel like I have different symptoms of coronavirus. There's no way I'm alone. If you're telling me that you don't feel sick at least once a day, you're just not being truthful. But my temperature has only been above 99 one time, and it's been great recently. I feel fine. But if you think that if I had a little fever and I had saved all my money and I wanted to go to a game because I wanted to see opening day, I'm going to say, eh, I'll be fine. That's not going to fly anymore. So you're going to go to the ballpark. You're going to have your temperature taken, probably go through an infrared sensor, They have those in Asia that are coming to the States. Just you wait. If you're looking for a stock to buy, you may want to find a public company that's spending money on temperature-taking gadgets. What do you do with someone when they get to your ballpark and they have a fever? Well, you have to refund their ticket, but what about the people they're with? What if it's a kid? Do you refund the parents as well? Who's taking the temperature? Who's monitoring it? It can't be the regular game day employees. We'd have to completely retrain them and pay them more. So now it looks like we're going to have to have higher expenses. We're going to have to have more people. We're going to have to clean bathrooms more. We're going to have to clean stairwells. We may have to give gloves and masks out like the airlines are doing. All of these things are actually possible. But if that happens, the price will go up. And if the prices go up for us to put games on for you, guess what happens? We are increasing our ticket prices. Coca is just whispering in my ear, what happens if you sit in the sun during tailgating and then try to go into the ballpark and all of a sudden you're hot? Well, let me explain to you, Coca, how this works. And I'm not a doctor at all. I'm a JD, not an MD, although I pretend to be an MD, as many people do. Your temperature doesn't go up when you're sunbathing. You may start sweating a little bit, but your core temperature has taken through your eyeballs, your tushy, your ear, or just pressed against your forehead like a great mommy can who can guess your temperature to the tenth of a point by sticking her hand on your kepi. I assure you that any infrared checker or any other way is not going to say, wow, you've been in the sun, you got a buck four. It's not how it works. Coke is telling me that he thinks it does. It doesn't, Coca. You know what? Get your own show. I'm going to produce you. Coca, you're doing tomorrow's show. You, you can do it. Your temperature won't go up that way, I promise you. You can keep tailgating. Except there's another thing. Tailgating? That's not a lot of social distancing. 
when you're barbecuing in front of 50 other people, next to 50 other people, with 50 people. Anyway, Mark Cuban had a great line, and I got to get to it because it really is too funny. Mark Cuban said, we have to guard against someone taking extra strength Tylenol to fool us. Let me just get this straight, Mark. I don't know if you own any shares of stock of whoever manufactures Tylenol and why it would have to be extra strength Tylenol. Maybe just regular Tylenol would do the trick. But why would you come out and say we have to guard against someone taking extra strength Tylenol in order to trick us? That's what you're worrying about? You can't trick an infrared sensor. That's number one. Number two, if you can trick it by taking Tylenol, you've got yourself a problem. But number three, temperature checks will only be the first line of defense. Do you think it's far removed that if an usher, ticket taker, or any employee sees a sneeze, a cough, or someone sweating or looking ill, that they have the right to remove them from their seat? Is it too late at that time? Do you then sanitize the seat? Do you do contact tracing for that person? Do you give that person a coronavirus test? Are we now infringing on the liberties, the civil liberties of our fans? My answer is, it doesn't much matter to me if you think I'm infringing on your civil liberties. You're here at the invitation of me. You're coming to my ballpark at the invitation of me. I need your money. I need your revenue. But what I need more is for everyone else to be able to come to games and not have to shut down again. Are we really going to count on fans to take it in their own hands, to wash their hands, to use sanitizer, to not come to games when sick, to practice social distancing, to report to us when they're sick or when they test positive so we can do contact tracing around who is with them at the ballpark? Are we going to make the ballpark experience such that there's no touching of any kind, that there's no more concession stands? It's merely a grab and go from prepackaged pizza or hot dogs or beer. Or is it just bring in your own food, but pay an extra fee for that? If you don't want to bring in food, don't pay the fee, but we have no food available to you. What about all the concession contracts that all the ball teams have signed with concession companies? My point is there are myriad issues that have to be dealt with, and we can only do it one at a time once we find out exactly what the story is with coronavirus. And that story starts with testing. It starts with vaccinations. It starts with antibody testing and understanding whether antibody testing works. Until then, all of these different plans are worth the paper they're written on. They're flushable. Please don't make the mistake of coming back too soon and being irresponsible with your social distancing guidelines because the curve that flattened will spike again and then you'll first start being sorry. (sighs) ML Beer Challenge, day 44. Glenn Gondrzyk. Yeah, that was a player for the Nick who wore 44. Boston. It's Boston time. I want to tell a story about Boston. I love Boston. I, uh, when I was a uh, story about college, I went to Tufts my freshman year. Tufts University is in Boston. Medford, Mass. Medford, Mass. I then transferred to University of Wisconsin, where I matriculated in 1990. But in 1987, I showed up in Boston, and I was a New Yorker through and through. I couldn't stand Boston. I couldn't stand the Celtics. I couldn't stand the Red Sox. I couldn't stand the Patriots. None of it. The Bruins, forget about it. But I go to Boston because why not? Went to Tufts, which I absolutely was happy to get into. Went there. First day, go to 317 Bush Hall. I'll never forget that. That was my address. The dorm was Bush Hall. It was on the lower campus. I walk in. 
The first person I meet is my roommate. Back then, you couldn't choose your roommate. You get assigned a roommate. There was no social media. The roommate, we would write letters to each other, literal letters like through snail mail, like Dear Sunit. My roommate is a, was a guy, is a guy named Sunit Varma. Sunit, this one's for you. He was from upstate New York. He is now a big-time pharmaceutical executive, brilliant guy, Sunit Varma. He wrote his first letter to me, Dear David, I'll bring some music if you'll and a TV, if you bring like a microwave oven and this, and I'll bring that. And then he signed it, and I was scared to meet him. First day I meet him, and we were like two peas in a pod. We had the time of our lives. Unfortunately, it was the opposite of what freshmen are feeling now. So I want to talk about Boston and tell you that for all you – You educate people who had to leave freshman year or sophomore, junior, senior early for seniors in high school who are thinking about school in the fall or wondering what to do and what the world's going to be like. We had an experience that was wrought with anxiety. There was no social distancing at all. We had to meet brand new people. We had no idea who anyone was. We had the pressure of school, the social pressure of being away from home. But we found a way to band together. And as a dorm, Bush Hall, the meeting the first night with about 100 scared people. By, by the way, we were co-ed by room, not by floor. Co-ed by room. So we had a, two boys living next to two girls, living next to two boys. It was heaven on earth. Literally. It was Belinda Carlisle. Straight. My message to you is that you're all very resilient. And I was thinking about the fact that you'll find a way whenever school starts, whenever work starts, whenever we get out of this quarantine, we'll all find a way to adjust to the new normal, whatever that new normal will be. And we'll find a way because that's what we are. We are resilient. Your freshman experience may be different than mine. There may be different rules in place when schools open or workplaces open or sporting events open or concerts or arenas or anything else. But when we get back to being able to do what we love to do, we will find a new way to love it. And we won't even remember what it was like. Those will be the old days. These will be the now days. And if you're 18 years old or 17 or 18 or 22 or 32 or 42 or 52, I'm pointing to myself, we'll make an adjustment. Boston has something called the Boston Resiliency Fund. And I'm giving $1,000 to the Resiliency Fund today. I got that because I was speaking to my friend Dave McGilvery, who's the race director for the Boston Marathon, someone I ran around the world with, someone who has run across the country, someone who's raised millions of dollars for charity, one of the great men Dave McGilvery is. And I know that he's not listening because he doesn't know how to work his phone or his computer in any way. His responsive time on text is anywhere between 10 minutes and 12 days. He has a voicemail that still says, if you'd like to reach me, please email me at, and then he gives his email, right? That's old school. He's trying to figure out what to do with the Boston Marathon. They've delayed it till September. It was supposed to be run on Patriots Day in April. He's trying to do the right thing. He was there during the Boston Marathon bombings. He's been raising money and doing things to help Boston forever. And I asked him, what would be the best charity in Boston right now? Because part of the ML Beard Challenge is I'm doing $1,000 a day for 100 days. I'm growing the beard with coca until MLB comes back and has an opening day. Today's Boston in honor of the Boston Celtics and their place in the Eastern Conference standings currently. And Dave said, how about the Boston Resiliency Fund? And then I started thinking about resiliency. 
I was thinking about maybe making that my word of the day, the significance of that. Thank you, Dave. $1,000 Boston Resiliency Fund. We are all more resilient than we even know. And our resiliency is going to be tested. But I promise you, this is a game we are going to win. Well, I'm still watching movies. Why wouldn't I be? Netflix had a new movie come out. How do you not watch Thor in a movie? Just so I can see how I'm never going to look. Just so I can see what it would mean to be the brother-in-law ex of Miley Cyrus. Just to see whether or not Thor can act and what the writing would be like. I had no idea what the movie was about. It's called Extraction. I had literally didn't know whether it was going to be about extraction or if that was that had been a word symbolizing something else. So I put it on to watch and I got about an hour and 47 minutes or 107 minutes of the craziest shoot 'em up chase scenes, action movie, bulging biceps, veins popping out, handsome craziness I've ever seen. Was it Liam Hemsworth or Chris Hemsworth? Coca, is it, I think it's Chris Hemsworth. So Chris Hemsworth, isn't he the guy who catches that big thing in the Avengers, the Thor guy? I think I've got the right guy. So Thor and the Avengers are better movies by a mile because the writing's better, the action's better, you're fascinated by the character development. Even the first Avengers movie, when you didn't know the characters, or the first Iron Man, when you're introduced to the characters, all in all, Avengers is a class A movie. Extraction is about a C plus. In non-quarantine times, I put it at around a D. In quarantine times, I had it about a B because it went quickly. My ADD was fine. I watched the full hour 47 with only five breaks, two walks, one trip to the fridge, two trips to the bathroom. So that was a win. It's got a boy in it. I couldn't understand all of the language because Hemsworth has a very strong Australian accent. It takes place all over. It takes place in Malaysia, I think, Singapore, Mumbai. It's about a boy who's been kidnapped by his fellow and Bangladesh. Thank you. Thank you, Coca. I guess, have you seen it? By the way, we didn't even talk about this. Have you seen this? I don't know if you have. But if you have, you, and you normally rate it on your Twitter, what was your rate? 7.8. Yeah, that's a pretty high rating. Coca gave it a 7.8. I think that's a quarantine rating. My rating would be around a 5.5. Five. I'm happy that we saw it. I'm happy that they made it. Is there an opportunity for a sequel? Wait to see. You got to watch the movie. Is it a waste of your time? No. Is it sad when a kid gets kidnapped? Does it remind you of all the other themes? Is it possible that Hemsworth is the only guy who could possibly extract this boy from where he is and somehow have a buddy movie with the boy, become a father figure to a kid who he didn't have, never did have, may have had, doesn't have anymore? All of these are possible plot points. Extraction. Eh, it's worth it. Wait to see. Wait to see. Yes, wait to see. I am accountable. You know that. I was positive that ratings for Last Dance episodes three and four would go up because I thought the people would still be in quarantine. I thought the people would be so jonesing for something sports related. I thought the draft would no longer be on. I knew the ratings for the draft would be phenomenal, over 15 million people. So I figured, unlike the XFL and other such things, week two would have been positive for Last Dance. I was wrong. 
I lost that weight to see. It turns out that ratings were, they call them flat. I'd say they were down a tick. They're saying they're not disappointed. To me, I would be disappointed. I think that you should see an uptick for five, six, seven, eight, or certainly for nine, 10 when it ends three weeks from now or three weeks from two days ago or whatever. I think today's Monday. So it's three weeks from yesterday. And um, it's Tuesday, sorry, three weeks from two days ago. But in any case, I lost that weight to see. See that I did not lose that weight. I told you that after, after the Jordan last dance was shown, after the first two episodes, Steve Kerr came out and said, "Ah, I'm not sure that we were too unhappy with Scottie Pippen for having surgery. And Jordan said, yeah, I was pretty unhappy with Pippen having surgery. And I said, there's going to be more players who will come out and they will go against the narrative that was really talked about in Last Dance. Well, Isaiah Thomas came out, had a different take on the handshake, lack of handshake. Bill Lambeer then came out, did an interview saying, those guys are a bunch of whiners. I can't stand them. Where Isaiah Thomas was trying to be apologetic. Isaiah Thomas is like that guy who just never could make it. And he's a Hall of Famer. Like he's one of the greatest point guards ever. But he's always felt like he was second fiddle, so much so that he had to release his list of top five all-time NBA players, and he had MJ like at number four. I think he put Kareem first, and then he put Bird ahead of Magic, even though Magic is the one he kissed when he was fraternizing, all of that stuff. So there's still a lot of bitterness with Isaiah Thomas. Lampier has bitterness. I'm going to say that that way to see is a yes. All right, next. What's my current way to see? All right, here we go. I'm going to say it. We talked about it earlier in the show. NBA practice facilities were said to have been opening on May 1st. They're now delayed to May 8th. Wait to see. No NBA facilities will open on May 8th. There will be a further delay. And when they eventually do open, I would like to simply point out that it is a guarantee. It's not a wait to see. It's a guarantee that Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra will not be invited to practice in anyone's facility. And the owner of those teams will look right at Dennis into his beautiful eyes and look at Carmen and try to focus on her beautiful eyes and say, hey, guys, for me, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.